Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning, golfers. Your tea time awaits. It's the Tea to Green Golf Show here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Got a thought on the PGA Tour? Want help with your swing? Give the show a call at 803-0550. Tea to Green is being presented by the Western New York PGA. Woods to wedges inside the Whirly Golf Dome. Custom Turf, Michelob Ultra, and Jim Beam. And by our home clubs, Tantera Golf Club. Briarwood Country Club and Lancaster Country Club. A hole in one, not big. Now it's time to talk golf. Here are your hosts, Brian Cozio, Kevin Sylvester, and PGA Pro Jeff Minas. Good morning, everybody. Here on another Saturday morning on WGR, it is the T to Green Golf Show, your local spot for golf here in Western New York. I'm Brian Cozio, along with Kevin Sylvester and PGA Pro Jeff Minas, as we are back here for another week. And we got a jam-packed show here coming up. The PGA Tour, just within the last few days, announcing a newly revamped schedule. Uh, we'll go over that. Uh, we've got Jeff's Western New York PGA Tip of the Week coming up. And also, excited, another PGA Tour player. Yeah, we're going to hear from him. Uh, Kevin got a chance to, just a few days ago, catch up with John Rollins. So we'll have all that and more here, our normal features on Tee to Green as we roll on here over the course of the next hour. As we say good morning to both of you, Kevin, good morning, and uh, look forward to hearing your interview coming up with John Rollins. Yeah, John is um, uh, Rocket, uh, likes to be called, so um, great guy. I first met him at the John Deere Classic uh, a few years ago, and then we ended up working together. He works, so he's, he's uh, we have a couple guys who work with on PGA Tour Radio, uh, Mark Wilson, another one who will get on here in the coming weeks, um, that play and that also commentate. So uh, he's got the perspective of both player and announcer. So I, I think people will enjoy the conversation with uh, Rocket, John Rollins. That's right. Jeff, good morning. A, uh, another week here with uh, whether the courses were open or not, this might have not have been a, uh, a easy week for us to play. There's snow on the ground here as we record this remotely here from our homes. At least there is in my backyard at the moment. Yep, I got some too, and uh, it hasn't been great, um, but, um, you know, it looks like I, I'm starting to feel like we might see, you know, see the PGA Tour make that schedule, you know, at least that gives you a target date, um, and I was surprised to see they put out a schedule, it seems like you'd have to deal with a lot of municipalities and states and everything else to get the okay for something like that, but that's certainly exciting to, uh, you know, that gives you a little positive boost here, and uh, 
Next week, hopefully, it'll be sunny. And on the 29th, I guess, hopefully, the golf courses will be able to open again. So we're every day we're getting a little closer to uh, getting through this whole thing. And uh, you take it, just taking it one day at a time to, to see what it's going to be like in, in a couple months. I don't know, but I, I know we're getting closer to the end. We're closer to the end, I feel, than we were uh, at this time last week, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I know that uh, when we recorded last week, it, we – kind of unfortunately ended with the the, uh, the negative news that golf courses in New York uh, were deemed not essential business by Governor Cuomo. But uh, we have been getting good news, not only in New York, but nationally. And uh, with the PGA Tour event schedule, other sports starting to maybe line things up, uh, it does seem positive. And, and you're right, let's all hope that maybe uh, on April 29th when the – the non-essential business things get re-looked at again. The golf courses will be back open. You mentioned the schedule here. Uh, let's get our check of the PGA Tour leaderboard brought to you by Callaway Chrome Soft. This ball is different, and also by Puma Golf Shoes. Uh, obviously, no leaderboard to look at, but let's take a look at that revamped schedule. And, uh, Kevin, it's going to start in Texas at the Colonial. June 11th is when round one is scheduled to begin. The first four events are scheduled uh, without spectators. Obviously, going forward, it's kind of a let's see how it plays out sort of thing from the PGA Tour. But at least for the first first month of scheduling of events, uh, there'll be no spectators allowed. And I, you know, would think that uh, they'll see kind of how it plays out. We obviously learn new things every day, so uh, to know whether spectators will be there or not be able to be there, that's something you can't answer right now. Well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. First of all, uh, what's going on? Uh, with the country, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'll be honest, we had a conference call the other day um, amongst the Soncourse Rovers, uh, roving announcers, and, uh, you know, we don't know um, uh, what it's going to look like as far as on the course, you know, and I'll just say broadcast personnel overall, uh, but there will be some production to it um, because they're going to want to televise us, uh, of course. One of the reasons why uh, and the tour, they put out uh, a memo to all those contractors. Uh, and they also had a release to the media. Uh, and several times it stated in that, that the safety of their players and personnel um, are of the utmost importance. So uh, this is all going to be fluid, I think. But here's the key. They had to put the schedule out uh, in order for players to make plans to get back into the country if need be figure out how they're going to get there travel-wise uh, to play in the events. The other thing is Charles Schwab Cup Challenge was an invitational, limited field. They're increasing the number of players uh, in that field. Same with Memorial. The Memorial is going to be played in July in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, or actually, no, I think it's a part of that first four. Um, you're, you're right. July, 3rd, July uh, 13th through the 19th is okay. Memorial. Yeah. Uh, that was normally a limited field event also. Uh, elevated status. They're going to increase the number of players for that event too. Same thing with the FedEx Cup St. Jude. Essentially going from 120 to 144 players, some 150 uh, players to give more playing opportunities because of the lower number of events. Yeah, it's all good news. You know, I, I, I think as you said, Kevin, it's just about at least we're making plans. You know, we're planning for the future, which is the positive sign here. And that's what I see. If the first event or the second event doesn't come off or one of those municipalities or one of those states is having a problem, we can deal with that then. But right now, hey, like you said, we were talking about it last week, you got to be able to plan as a player. You got to be able to prepare. The players aren't sitting at home just smashing balls all day because they got to pace themselves. They got, you know, they got to ramp up. You know, you know they're going to get in shape and stuff like that. But they're, uh, 
they're going to, you know, they're going to be, um, now that they have something in their sights, then now they can start preparing, know what golf courses they're playing, where they're going, everything else. That's what's important. Yeah. The, you know, the other thing that tour did, um, so uh, Canadian Open's canceled, just outright canceled. That won't be rescheduled. Uh, the Greenbrier uh, is gone because they also announced the start of the next season, uh, which will start with the Safeway Open, uh, as, as it traditionally does. So they have the start of the next season with the U.S. Open, Ryder Cup, and Masters all involved in it. But this, the schedule is going to go into, I think, the first week of December uh, and end with the Mayakoba Classic uh, in Mexico. So that's going to be essentially about a month later. Uh, and then the Hero Challenge in the Bahamas um, is what the schedule uh, looks like. So I think that was the other part of the schedule, too, is like, hey, when's next year's start? Um, and the interesting thing is the Masters, I think, is going to count twice. Uh, and the FedEx Cup standings for the following season, which should be pretty interesting. Because there'll be two Masters? Because there'll be two events, right? In the fall yeah. and in the spring? Yeah. yeah. I mean, right, the Masters are going to go back to April, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. As long as they're able to get it in in November, I would assume that they're going to you know, keep, <laughs> keep their normal first full week in April kind of locked in like they normally would. If they didn't, it's bad marketing. Yeah, somebody in their marketing department should be fired, yeah. So. Hey, let me let me say this other thing about fans not having fans at the first four. Uh, it also um, relieves uh, the pressure of setting up stands, uh, volunteers. Like overall, it's less people that are there and have to work uh, in preparation and exposure leading up to it. So it's not just yeah, about conditions. Yes, sessions, merchandise, corporate hospitality, all that. Yeah, that's correct. It's not just about having fans at the golf course. It's all that goes into it. And frankly, it probably relieves some people's anxiety about we got to help this event. Do I want to go back to like it takes some of that pressure off, I believe, my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it affects golfers less than NFLers or NHLers or NBAers because, you know, even as a tour player, you're not always getting followed by huge crowds. If you got an early Thursday time of number 10, you're you're not always having a big group follow you, so you're and you're still playing and you're you're chatting with your fellow competitors and and that's what we miss as golfers. You know, you miss being out there with your buds and and, and the challenge of the game. So they'll still have that, and I don't think it'll affect play much. You know, the quality of play. Um, so I think it, it'll be a good thing, and it, it'll still it may work better on TV. Have not having to worry about the fans and working around them and your camera angles and more. You know, all those things may work great. You know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I can imagine they may not have marshals out there right if you're not going to volunteer right. for the golf course so those errant tee shots they're going to play like us got to find it that's yeah. right <laughs> you might you might see different club selection because of that knowing they don't have an automatic ball finder kind of down there for marshalling that's right uh just a few minutes left here on our opening segment on tee to green brian colzio kevin sylvester pga pro jeff Metis. don't forget coming up in a few minutes uh kevin's conversation with pga tour player john rollins and then uh, we'll be back in the third segment for our western Europe pga tip of the week uh i just i want to mention one thing here in our last two minutes i watched the replay of tiger's 2019 win of the masters on sunday and i just want to i want to make one point i thought by the way phil and, and this isn't surprising i thought phil was very good on saturday uh, with him and nance kind of how they voiced over uh, some of the action tiger seemed a little less enthusiastic as phil not surprising but here's what i loved about tiger he's talking about how he's on the 11th hole Yet, he said while he was waiting to hit his shot, he was watching Kepka on 12 go into the water. And he goes, I knew Brooks hit it, was going to hit a 9-iron on that hole. 
And then he said with the win, and he goes, then when my, we came up to my group, because he, of course, was with, was with Molinari and Finau, he goes, Molinari went into the water. He goes, and I knew he hit an eight. He goes, it reaffirmed my decision of what club to hit. And obviously, Woods landed safely, perfectly right in the middle of the green. And I, and I just, the fact that he was watching someone else on the hole ahead of him while preparing for his next shot on 11, the approach, watching Kepka on 12, knowing exactly what club he would have been using, and then confirming it with Molinari's decision and his result. Like, I just thought, Jeff, that is maybe uh, what shows what a PGA Tour player is capable of, but also maybe what separates Tiger from even some of the, from some of the other bests, of just how he's able to do all of that um, while he's still concentrating on his own game. You know, I think – I don't know that that's so unique to Tiger, to be honest, because even as part of college golf, you know, you get to the next tee, you're off, you have the ability to ask your teammate, you know, what club you hit, what, what – you know, and you're sitting there on the tee always, you're always watching players hit, and you kind of know what they're hitting. And so he, he said I, – I remember that comment too because I, I followed that, and it was interesting, he said, because he knew above the trees because you couldn't feel it. And so when that ball got above those trees, it was knocking it down. And I think he ended up controlling his flight a little, and it helped him – pick the club so yeah I think a lot of players are doing that I just think Tiger's done it better than anybody ever and that's where he's the strongest in the world and he can take that and and use it to his advantage every time absolutely okay we got to take a break here on T to Green Brian Colziel Kevin Sylvester PGA Pro Jeff Metis when we come back we will have Kevin's interview with PGA Tour player John Rollins so good stuff looking forward to hearing that interview and then we'll be back in a little bit. We'll get Jeff's Western York PGA tip of the week. Thanks for listening to T to Green. More coming up, including the interview with John Rollins next, right here on T to Green on WGR. Well, we're back on T to Green, and as we've been doing here during the COVID-19 quarantine, it's given me a great opportunity to reach out uh, to some folks that work with, some PGA Tour players, and this guy fits both categories. Uh, it is three-time PGA Tour winner John Rollins, whom I work with on PGA Tour Radio. Hey, John, thanks for joining me. Yeah, Kevin, thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, it's great to talk to you, A, because I, I don't think we've talked since uh, working Hawaii well, <laughs> way back, <laughs> uh, which seems forever ago, doesn't it? I mean, it seems so long ago. It, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, like you said, it's to think about how long ago that seemed. But you know, honestly, it was just uh, you know just a little over a few months ago we were we were there and, and kind of calling the action. So uh, it, it's good to hear from you again, though. Yeah, uh, good to hear from you too. You're doing well. You and your family are doing well uh, during this whole COVID thing. Yeah, everybody's uh, you know everybody's still in, in pretty good spirits. We're we're doing pretty well and and really just taking it. Uh, one day at a time, you know, really like really all you can do uh, is just kind of sit back and try to make the most of it. I would say I've, I've become out of this uh, this quarantine or, or shelter in place, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, I feel like I've become a pretty good laundry man. I've become a pretty good gardener now. I've, uh, I've enhanced my skills as a, a wine aficionado. Uh, or connoisseur, whatever words you, you like to choose. And, you know, just learning all sorts of uh, new things around the house and ways to kind of entertain myself. All right. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to dive into that before we talk about golf. Let's talk about wine. So what, what have you learned about wine? What has made you a, a better uh, a wine connoisseur? 
Well, I, I, unfortunately, I hate to say it's because I've I've had to partake in as many bottles as I've had <laughs> throughout this process. But uh, it, you know, wine has always been something that my wife and I have enjoyed enjoyed it a long time. We actually went to Napa Valley on our honeymoon uh, way back in 2005. And, uh, you know, from that point on has just, you know, we've just really enjoyed it. And uh, it's a lot of fun, especially when you can, you know, when you learn about it and when you can share uh, good or great bottles with friends and family and, and just, you know, it's something that, again, that we really had a passion about for a while now. Uh, you know, and it's we we enjoyed a a nice 2001 Opus One the other day, and it was just sort of one of those times where we just thought it was time to open something nice. You know, there, there's times in your cellar that a wine needs to be opened; it needs to be enjoyed before you know you potentially lose its you know its peak performance. I think that probably could have stayed a little bit longer, but. You know, it was just uh, the, the timing felt right, and, and we wanted to, to really sit back and just kind of enjoy the time here together and at home and, and you know, with one another and and, uh, and really enjoyed that bottle. But, again, it's just something that's a lot of fun, and, and we really uh, we really loved over the last, you know, whatever, 15 years or so that, uh, that we've been married. Well, you know, it's uh, good for you guys to say, hey, let's, let's open this up and enjoy it. I, I, my wife and I have done the same. There's been... There was a bottle of red uh, that we were saving, and we're like, well, "What are we saving it for? Let's let's enjoy. Like now's the time here. Like we we we're not rushed. We don't have to bring it anywhere. We can sit uh, sip and enjoy it ourselves." And I, I have done the same thing with a couple of bottle of bourbons uh, that I've been uh, holding back on. I'm like, you know what? What am I saving this stuff for? Let's live. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't take it with you. You know, when you're gone, you can't take it with you. And, you know, as you say, you might as well enjoy it. You, you have those things for a reason. Uh, and, and, you know, it's nice if you, if you have the patience to let it mature and let it develop, you know, the way that it can, you know, that, that's a pretty cool thing then to be able to, you know, to open it and enjoy it, as you said, but you're exactly right. You have to live, you have to enjoy every moment, uh, you know, as they come, because I mean, my goodness, look at the situation we're in now. Who would have ever thought we would, we'd all be kind of doing everything from our home uh, as long as we've been doing this. Yeah, that's uh, that's for sure. Yeah, no one no one saw this coming uh, for sure. Um, let's talk about something you probably saw coming on your plane: victories, and you've got three of them. Uh, the Canadian Open in 2002, the BC Open in 2006, and the Reno Tahoe Open in 2009. Oddly enough. I didn't realize this. You know, your first two victories, not far from where I'm at right now. You, you, you won the BC Open when it was played at Turning Stone Resort in Syracuse and the Canadian Open right when it was in Toronto. Yeah, I never uh, never really thought about that. But, you know, maybe it was destined that we, uh, you know, we met and began to work together. And, you know, it was just in the cards. I just didn't see it back at that time. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, well, it's funny. I, I've never... I've never even been to Turning Stone, which sounds stupid. It's only two two hours away, maybe two and a half hours away for me, and, and I've always one of those places where I want to go and play. And I believe was that the first year that it moved there because of the floods uh, in Endicott, New York. Yes. Or, oh, it was okay. So you had never yep. seen seen yep. the golf course before. No, never. You know, we were kind of uh, as players, we were honestly a little concerned that you know they weren't even going to have the tournament at the time because it, you know, like you said, the floods there in Endicott, Enjoy Golf Club, just you know, was unplayable. No way to 
to do that. And, and then uh, the, the people at Turning Stone sort of stepped up at the last minute and, you know, said, we can, we can host this event and we'd love to have the PGA tour come in and, and really get the exposure that, you know, it gave the resort, uh, you know, for them that week and, and, and put on a, a spectacular tournament. Obviously I'm a little biased of it because I, I came out victorious that year, but uh, I mean, it was a, a beautiful property, great golf course, uh, you know, it had, Everybody stayed there on site, the casino and all. So it, it ended up being a, a good week for all. Yeah, and I think Tiger went on to have uh, a skins game there. And Noto Begay uh, held a charity event uh, there also at the Turning Stone uh, Resort. But I'll, I want to go back to your first win at the, at the Canadian Open. And you won that in a playoff. Uh, you beat Neil Lancaster and Justin Leonard in a playoff. And you've been in three playoffs in your career um that was the i'm going to say this is sound terrible john that was the only win um <laughs> no, but you, you lost no, hey, that's all right. no no but what i want you to do is if you can kind of describe to our our listeners uh, the amateurs out there who maybe never been in a playoff even at their club what it's like to make it through 72 holes and then go to a, a sudden death playoff well you know this was an unusual set of circumstances, I would say, probably more of a funny story related to it than anything else. And, you know, we, we would have to rewind to the 18th hole in regulation. Uh, I had finished well before Neil Lancaster, the, playing in the final group, who was leading going into the, into the final round. I had finished, oh, a good 45 minutes, maybe close, eh, I'd say somewhere in a 45 minute to an hour range ahead of him and had posted 16 under par uh, along with Justin Leonard, who, you know, finished kind of in between uh, Neil Lancaster and myself. And I'm just kind of hanging out waiting. And, and, you know, Neil Lancaster's got a two-shot lead going into the last hole, and he hits it in the middle of the fairway. And I'm sort of standing behind the 18th green just watching. I mean, I'm, again, my second year on the PGA Tour. I'm like a kid in a candy shop. I've got a chance, you know, I'm thinking I've got a chance to maybe you never know what'll happen, but um, you know, it's, it's just, you, you don't think when he's in the middle of the fairway, you've got any, any business or any chance of a playoff. Well, he proceeds to hit, hit a poor shot left of the green, dumps it in the bunker, blasts it out. And this is a putt. He makes a terrible double bogey on the last hole and lets Justin Leonard and I end this playoff. And all of a sudden my, my mind went from, you know, I, I'm two shots back. I'm going to finish, you know, the best, finish I've had on the PGA Tour in my career, currently tied for second, to, oh, my God, I'm in a playoff. Where's my caddy and my golf clubs? And, you know, I, I run around to the front of the club. He's kind of hanging out there. You know, we're waiting to see what happens. We rush to the tee, haven't really hit any golf balls, haven't done anything, get to the tee. Neil Lancaster walks up on the 18th tee after signing his scorecard and shakes Justin Leonard in my hand. And while he does that, his comment to us both is, you're welcome. You're welcome. Oh. And you, you know, you, you got to kind of laugh when, when the guy comes up and does that. He still has the humor that Neil Lancaster has there on the 18th hole. And we, we play the 18th in the first uh, sudden death hole. And I hit two shots uh, up on the green, 25 feet or so from uh, for birdie. They both go on uh, and make pars. And then I drain the, the 25 foot birdie putt and, and just, I mean, what a feeling. It, it honestly, Kevin happened so fast that I really didn't have time to process what was going on. And I, I would have to say 
at that stage of my career, it's probably a blessing, you know, that, that I was, that it happened that quickly. You know, if I'd have had time to really think about it, who knows what the outcome would have been, but because of the way it, it all transpired and, and unfolded, it, it was just such a cool, a cool experience. Uh, obviously one that I'll never forget, but you know, to me, it's more of a, of a, of a comedy story behind it with the reaction from Neil Lancaster. So uh, having, uh, having, you know, first of all, it, it, that was at um, Glen Abbey, right? Uh, that was at Angus Glen. Angus Glen. Okay. All right. Uh, the other one, because I, I was thinking of Glen Abbey, where they traditionally held it. There's, and, and, there's a lot of Glens and A's and G's <laughs> and A's and all to be yes. confused, but it was <laughs> Angus Glen. Um, I remember. I, I, you know what? I I was supposed to play in the media uh, week that year. They had a media event. And I couldn't make it up to play. Now I wish I had. Um, I remember Steve Weecroft, uh when Johnny Vegas won several years back at Glen Abbey. Weecroft had it in the bag. Uh, I shouldn't say had it in the bag. I mean, this is where anything can happen. It was similar to what you're talking about with Neil Lancaster, where he put it in the bunker and two, and then he bladed one um, over the green into the water near the scoreboard, and I just felt so terrible for him because this was going to be a defining moment for Steve Weecroft, and it just it just went away, and it's just how anything can happen, and, and you benefited from anything happening. Um, at, at that event. But I wanted to ask, so the following year, you made the playoff in the Buick Classic, uh, Jonathan K won, but did it make you less nervous? Did it, like, what did having been through a playoff and winning, how did that uh, help you handle uh, entering the playoff again? Yeah, I, I think that it definitely helped. Uh, you, you know, that year at Westchester, I, I loved Westchester Country Club, still do. I had not been up there since the tour stopped playing, but always loved playing there and you know, just one of those style golf courses that I enjoyed playing. And, and uh, you know, that year that uh, Jonathan Kay, as you just said, uh, got me in the playoff. I mean, I, I played some great golf. And uh, in that playoff, I think I was, even though I had already won the, the, the previous year in a playoff, I, I still I felt much more nervous, to be honest, in that situation. But, again, I think it comes back to I, I had more – it was, it was more real time happening. I was, you know, I played well, I was like in the maybe next to last, I can't remember what grouping I was on the final round. So I was really under the the pressure all day. Uh, and then going into the playoff, it was just a quick sort of turnaround. We signed our cards, you know, JK and I are in the, in the playoff and go back to 18. See, so, you know, I really felt all of the nerves associated in that moment unlike I feel like I did in the Canadian Open the, the year before. So not to say that I lost the playoff because I felt more nervous. I mean, Jonathan Kay, uh, I remember the playoff, I hit my tee shot just up the left side in the rough and had to lay up, and he knocked it up, I think, either on the green or just around the green with a pretty easy up and down, and I had to lay up and, and hit a very mediocre wet shot and, and was unable to make birdie, and you know he either – chipped it really close or maybe even lagged it really close and, and, you know, made his birdie that way. So, I mean, he played a, a you know, a perfect hole in, in that situation. So, again, I think the nerves were, were a little more intense, or at least I felt them more in that playoff than I did the, the year before. Uh, before we uh, get into broadcasting and, and what's going on now in, in professional golf, um, it, I think we talked about this when we were uh, hanging out, but uh, – 
Maybe not. Injuries? Did you experience? I mean, it seems to me every professional golfer experienced some injuries, and uh, it's so tough to maintain all that needs to be maintained to compete and win on the PGA Tour. Yeah, no, absolutely. And fortunately, knock on wood for me, I've never uh, never had any any substantial injuries. I mean, you know, yes, you've had moments where your back is tight or, you know, things associated like that. But uh, I've had one little uh, left shoulder episode that, um, you know, I had to have some treatment done on it and no surgeries, no any sort of like medical extensions that I've needed to receive uh, throughout my career. So I've been very, very fortunate that my body has has held up and has given me the opportunity to play really a, a injury free career. Now, you, I mean, you're still uh, have some status uh, on the tour. You can yeah. still play, um, still go to Monday qualifiers and such. So it's kind of, t- I mean, nobody's playing right now, obviously, but uh, kind of talk about uh, your playing opportunities you, you have, assuming we get back uh, in a month or so here and uh, how you look at playing opportunities right now. Well, it, you know, it's it's a, a a bit unique or different, I guess, uh, in the approach. I mean, it's nobody knows what's going to happen once we get started, when we ever get started again. Uh, you know, I think that when that time comes, the fields are going to be stronger than ever because everybody's on the shelf right now. So when these guys get the opportunity to play, you know, tournaments they ordinarily may not play, I think are really going to see an, an increase or a, a bump in the strength of their fields just because guys are going to, want to get back at it. I mean, guys have been sitting at home now for, you know, a couple of months, not with anything to do. And, you know, they're ready to get back into competitive golf as, as we're ready to see competitive golf and, and call competitive golf. But, you know, as far as playing opportunities, I was probably going to play the Dominican Republic before things got put on the shelf. Uh, maybe having, you know, have an opportunity uh, to go qualify for San Antonio, uh, you know, look, down the road, you kind of think maybe John Deere, Barbasol, obviously the, the event uh, at the Reno-Tahoe area there that's moved now, I believe, into the Truckee, California area. So, you know, there, there were some some opportunities that I was looking forward to, trying to keep my game uh, in shape the best I can. But, you know, when this starts back up again, who knows what to expect and, and who knows where the opportunities will fall. I've tried to keep uh, my, my body moving and, and hitting golf balls into a net here at the house. Uh, I'm really looking forward to hitting off some national turf again. I can be honest with you there, <laughs> seeing the ball roll on the green. But, you know, you just you have to do what, whatever you can. I mean, you have to adapt. You have to adjust. Uh, and that's what, what really everyone's doing in, in this uh, this time. Well, speaking of adapting and adjusting, um, you've adapted and adjusted to – uh, your role as a broadcaster with PGA Tour Live and with PGA Tour Radio. Uh, talk to me how that came about and uh, how you think you're doing. I'll tell you how I, I I'll tell you afterwards when you tell me how you think you're doing. I'll tell you how I think you're doing. <laughs> okay, well I can't wait for the criticism. This is going to be great. But no. uh, you know, anyway, no. I, so again, as you said, I'm playing under limited status. I'm playing out of a past champions category and, and uh, you know, we, we get reshuffled around based on your performance in the tournaments you get to play in and, you know, things of that nature that can open a few extra doors. But honestly, after I, I lost my full status in 2000, after the 2014 season, 2015, I still played enough golf, you know, but I didn't play that well. I, I played okay at times, but nothing great. 
still was in that same boat as the past champion, and I've been in that category really ever since. So because of that, you know, with the limited opportunities, I mean, going from a full-time player playing 25 to 28 tournaments a year to now, you know, maybe getting five to seven, you know, maybe eight if things are good. It's just hard to really say. There's no consistency in scheduling you got to start looking at, okay, well, what other options do I have? What, what do I think I could do? What would I like to do? And, you know, I, I went uh, I went to school, oddly enough, at Virginia Commonwealth University uh, in Richmond, Virginia, to major in mass communications broadcasting. Now, unfortunately, I never got far enough down the line, you know, because I pursued my professional career, but that was my focus. That was kind of what I thought I'd like to do. So, oddly enough, I ended up uh, looking into – PGA Radio, PGA Tour Live, some golf channel thing. I just make some phone calls and I talk to Dave Logue and, you know, mention my, you know, talk, again, talk about my interest in it. And he gave me an opportunity and, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a new perspective for me. Uh, I, I still think that I'm, I'm learning. Uh, and, and, and I think I honestly have a lot still to learn. I, I've enjoyed it. I feel like I do a pretty good job, uh, you know, offering a player perspective. But I do think that I could maybe offer up a little bit more. I, you know, been a couple of years now, and I, I think that I still, I'm still kind of learning. I, I think I'm more. I'm walking the the thin line, to be honest with you, on being a player and maybe walking down the fairways with guys, and yet calling the action and maybe calling some players out or calling situations out on the radio. And, and maybe fear or just sort of like hesitation of, well, I'm not going to rake that guy over the coals just yet because I may walk down the fairway next week with him and I don't really want to answer all those questions. <laughs> you know, so that, yeah. that's sort of the juggling act that I think that I'm in right now, but I'm, I'm leaning a little bit more towards not really worrying about that and, and really trying to focus when I'm in the, when I'm in the studio, when I'm calling the, the shots and calling the action of, of really giving that player perspective, not worrying about what's said and what isn't said, and, and just try to deliver the best product I can. But I've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. Well, I, well said um, all, all the way around there. And I think you do a great job of keeping it simple um, and explaining what the player either was trying to do or is thinking about in a shot because there's it can be so technical – um, and all of the, the elements that go into a shot. And I personally enjoy uh, just picking your brain on, you know, hey, this is how I, I, you know, from watching players up close doing it and being, you know, uh, whatever, a decent amateur golfer, uh, club golfer, um, on how I would uh, kind of approach things. And I, I always I, – I think you've done a nice job of simplifying those things so the listeners, the golfers, because most people who listen to it are golfers, that they can understand what's going on. Well, I, you know, I appreciate that. I have received a, a great outpouring of support, you know, from other players, from caddies, from friends that I've met through the years, obviously family, friends here at home, you know, people that have listened that, that you know, commend me and say, hey, enjoy the broadcast. You know, you sound great. You're, you're doing a good job, all these things. So that's been really, you know, really great to receive that, that sort of support. And, and I think to touch on that, what you just said, I, I think that really – is a reflection of the type of player that I was. I, I was very simple. I, I, I saw it. I reacted to the shot. You know, there wasn't a lot of 
technical, mechanical, you know, overthinking, overanalyzing, or any of that sort of stuff. So I, my guess is that's what, you know, translates, you know, on the broadcast is, is really me as a player, very simple. So me as a broadcaster, I can't change, you know, recreate the wheel. I am who I am, and, and that's what I do. How, mu- how many times has uh, our friend Ed McLaughlin hit you up for money for VCU? <laughs> you know, it's he he is he is great. He has been, you know, awesome for the school and, and we went I actually took my wife and daughter uh last year. We were in Richmond visiting visiting my family who all is still there in Richmond area and, and I took them down to campus. It's changed a I mean a enormous amount since nineteen ninety seven or ninety three to ninety seven when I was there. And, you know, I sit back and think, man, I wish I had all of this stuff here when I was in college. I mean, you know, it would have been unbelievable. But he, he's been great for the for the university and for the campus and really for all the students and all. But I've been pretty fortunate. He's taken it easy on me and uh, just kind of let me do what I do and, and everything. But he and I, we talk, uh, you know, I'm not going to say all the time, but we, we text quite frequently on, on things, you know, maybe – related to the golf team or, or just some things, some events that they're trying to, you know, put together for some alum and, and help raise money, things like that. So he, he hadn't put the full court trust on me yet. I don't know that, uh, did I mention that, like, so I, I knew Ed when he was at Niagara and I used to uh, announce some games and we sat on a committee together. Uh, he's a fantastic guy. So I, I kind of threw that question at you, but I'm not sure I even told you that I, I knew Ed. <laughs> Well, no, I, I think it was uh, I think it was the, the either the last time I can't remember what it was, but either you or Ed, one of you guys messaged me and said to say something to the other guy, and that's where I put it together on you know you guys knew each other and you know kind of got the whole background of all that. But yeah, no, that I, I knew you guys uh, were familiar with one another, and and yeah, but that's all yeah. good. Yeah, great guy. I'm happy for success. Hey, fine. All world. Yeah, it certainly is. Final thing, um, and maybe this might be unfair to do, but uh, a prediction on uh, when we get back to PGA Tour golf, with or without fans. Do you have a prediction for us? Well, I I do predict that we will get back without fans before fans. I I do see, and I mean, again, these are my opinions and predictions, but I, I do think that, you know, based on just some kind of rumors and rumblings and all going around in different, you know, areas of the country and all, and trying to get the economy and the the world sort of open back up, you know, little by little, I do think that we're going to see sports open back up without fans in the beginning. Um, You know, we're going to see the NBA and and MLB and, you know, all that sort of stuff kind of come back, uh, come back into play. and, And I think without fans, so golf, I believe, will follow suit. I could be totally off base, but I just I think that, you know, in an effort, maybe it, it, whether you call it a trial run or not, I don't really know. I mean, a PGA Tour event shouldn't be a trial effort, but I, I do think that they're going to want to get back out and play and give the fans something to follow and to cheer about and, you know, really energize everybody again about being out playing live golf and, and PGA Tour golf especially. So, when do I think that will happen? Oh man, you know I don't really see it. I don't really see it happening until at least the beginning to middle part of June. 
is my you know my earliest guess. I mean, I, I know that technically we're we're looking at potentially the Charles Schwab uh, challenge here in Fort Worth at Colonial, but I, I just I don't see how the tour is going to have enough time to give the players, to give the sponsor, and just to really give the facilities the proper time to get things prepared and set up and kind of figure out how they're going to you know, how they're going to navigate these things and, and the different issues that now are going to be confronted to the facilities and the tournaments after this COVID-19 pandemic. So I just, you know, I would think that giving them another good month and a half to almost two months of time to really prepare for all of that and kind of figure it out seems to make, a, you know, make the most sense. But Again, I could be totally off base, but that's sort of my prediction now. Is it's the beginning to middle part of June. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it's headed that way too, and, and hopefully they get all together. Uh, John, I really appreciate your time uh, for joining us on the show. All the best to, to you and your family, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. Thank you very much. Had a great time, and uh, like I said, look forward to calling some shots with you here soon. All right, we back with more to TD Green coming up here on WGR. We're back on TD Green. Big thanks again to John Rollins, PGA Tour player, one of my colleagues on PGA Tour Radio. Also, big thanks to a couple of our sponsors uh, in these tough times, uh, standing by us here at TD Green and standing by you, uh, One Scroy Financial, the locally family-owned uh, financial planning firm. They've been helping Western New Yorkers since 1971 with these interesting times, especially financially. Get some help. Give them a call at 716-674-6700. That's 674-6700. Or go to scroyfinancial.com. That's S-G-R-O-I financial.com. And the Jumpa Agency with Allstate. Uh, Allstate did a great thing and uh, rebated some money uh, to their owners. So uh, see my friend Frank Jumpa and the Jumpa Agency for your insurance needs. Back here on T to Green, our final segment. Thanks for being with us. Brian Colesiel, Kevin Sylvester, PGA Pro, Jeff Medes. Uh, our Ryder Cup report brought to you by New Era Cap, the official cap of the USA Ryder Cup team. Speaking of the Ryder Cup, with that new schedule that we newly uh, revamped schedule that we mentioned last segment, uh, the U.S. Open and the Ryder Cup, Jeff, will go in back-to-back weeks. The U.S. Open scheduled for the 17th through the 20th, and then the Ryder Cup the following week, the 25th the 27 so that's back-to-back monster events right there yeah that'll be fun um I, those guys are going to be tired this is going to be a long stretch of golf for a lot of them you know they took some time off they got it they got to get their points they got to work and and uh, the schedule's compact in the fall with those with the majors so that'll be uh that'll be a lot of fun to see you know it's emotionally draining to compete you know it's emotionally draining to compete but imagine competing in the u.s open and trying to win it over the weekend you're beat on monday morning or sunday night and then to go to the Ryder Cup, you know, that'll give you that infusion of adrenaline to get you going through. Those guys can be tired after two weeks of back-to-back golf like that. Absolutely. All right, let's get to our PGA Tour Champions Report, brought to you by Donald Ross, the official clothing here of all of us on Tee to Green. Uh, no official announcement yet uh, in terms of what the schedule might look like for the PGA Tour Champions. I think right now the PGA Tour is trying to get uh, the PGA Tour set and uh, just a couple of tweets I saw from a couple of the reporters that follow the Champions Tour said that uh, they're hoping to maybe announce something over the course of the next week or so. So maybe next week we'll actually have uh, some events to talk about there. All right. 
Let's finish with our Western New York PGA tip of the week brought to you by the Western New York PGA. And Jeff, we want to talk about a little golf psychology in between the ears, the mental approach to golf here. Uh, what are some keys you think are important in that aspect? You know, this is a good time to do it because we're kind of confined to our house. So, you know, I think good players approach the game mentally properly. Um, you, you know, there's a book out there. I suggest everybody read Dr. Bob Rotella wrote a book called golf is not a game of perfect kind of the core concepts of, of how the mental game is played. You know, you watch good players. One of the parts of it is a pre-shot routine, making something routine makes it easy. Um, there's a lot of different things you can do. You can visualize shots. You know, good players are always visualizing shots. These are things you can do at home. I, I, I was reminded of this this week. They had a girl from, I think she finished second in the Augusta Women's Amateur. And her quote was, not all, um, not all wins give you trophies. But she had learned so much from coming in second and losing on the last hole there that uh, it was a great uh, mental you know, block for her to get over and become a good player. And I don't think you see good players who don't have good mental attitudes. doesn't mean you don't get mad. It doesn't mean you don't get frustrated. It doesn't mean you have bad days. But that, that consistent mental positive outlook to the game and constantly building is what makes – it separates players. So if you're a player who actually wants to be very good, you should really, really look at how you're – how you're thinking the game and what mental what you're doing on the mental side of the game to get better. You know, I think, go ahead, Kev. I was going to say, you know, along those lines, Jeff, uh, this is something I started doing two years ago. Um, and, I, and I think it's really helped me. Um, I, I wrote down the golf courses I played the most and I would go through uh, a hole by hole and I'd write down the textbook way. It's in a little notebook of how I would play the hole, meaning these are my club options off the tee. Some holes are just, it's automatic driver. Uh, I would only put two options down on each hole. And so sometimes in tournaments, uh, I'd, I'd go through the book and I have one player, what are you doing? I'm, I'm looking at my book. I'm like, what do you mean your book? I'm looking at my book. It tells me how to play the hole. What do you mean how to play the hole? Some holes well, you I planned your work. Yeah, you went in with a plan. That's what yes. you want to do. Yeah. And what I would also say real quick is, also, visualize the best shot you ever saw hit on that hole. Do you remember your best drive on the eighth hole at, you know, wherever, or the ninth hole at Lancaster? Yeah, that's a good way to do it. And, and I would encourage everybody to do that. Just, you know, if you play uh, at Lancaster Country Club, one of our home courses, you know, chart every hole because there's – you can play several of those holes off the tee completely different uh, every time you go. 18, for example, you can hit a seven iron to driver on that hole and play it well and put yourself in position to play birdie. So I, I would definitely uh, uh, recommend doing that no matter what your course, if you're a Tantara, Brian, I'm sure there's uh, some holes that uh, you're like, ah, this is either a hybrid or driver or five iron. Like write yourself, write, write it down, write down the plan. Yeah. One, one thing that I feel like I've been really trying to improve upon, like it's been a personal goal of mine is to just let a bad shot go. Sometimes, I will think about it, as, you know, oh, if I would have just, just hit that shot differently two holes ago or three holes ago or even, you know, or even the course while I'm putting, I'm thinking like, oh, man, this should have been a birdie putt. Instead, it's a bogey putt. Like just, you know, I, I feel like letting a shot go is um, something that I know used to bother me. And I think it's definitely something that I, I know that I'm, I feel like I've been proving upon. I know I got to keep going forward with that. But uh, that's yeah, that's, you need to do that so you're completely engaged in the shot you're currently hitting. That's, you know, so what you're doing there is great. Yeah, just anything you can do to get yourself in that little bubble. The, the analogy I always use is a free throw shooter. 
Always got a routine. You don't see a good free throw shooter without a routine. Same thing you're doing, Brian. If you can get rid of that, whatever happened on that last shot, mentally cleanse yourself, just let it go. You're going to play much better, much yeah, better. Absolutely. All right, let's finish uh, with this thought on a, a nice lighter note. Uh, players have been inter- being interviewed, of course, as we had John Rollins earlier, but just about what they've been doing right now, staying at home and quarantine. Um, a reporter this week interviewed Dustin Johnson about just what he's doing at home, and then they asked him about, what he's been doing to stay in shape. And he says, well, I have the DJ diet. And the reporter followed up, well, what's the DJ diet? And here's, here's a great quote. And I think it's something that all of us here at Tita Green, we already are on this diet. Here's the yeah. quote. It says, quote, I've never counted calories. If I'm hungry, I eat until I'm not hungry anymore. Then I stop. That's the DJ diet. See, but he stops. That's, that's, where, <laughs> we're that's where we're different. <laughs> Kev, I think you and I are really good at this diet already, right? We follow this all the time. Uh, yeah, I need to, I need to hit the break uh, a little yeah. bit. Although it's interesting, I've eaten more carbs during quarantine, but I think because I'm not eating out as much, most of my clothes still fit me. I mean, it's probably a couple pounds I've gained, but not nearly what it should be. Yeah, I agree. Definitely less takeout, no doubt. Okay, guys, thanks so much, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Don't forget, you can check out extra features, T to Green Extra, videos, podcasts at our website, T2, the number two, t2green.golf. And uh, we thank everybody for listening here. For PGA Pro Jeff Metis and Kevin Sylvester, I'm Brian Colziel. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, we appreciate you being with us. And for producer Derek Kramer, you've been listening to T to Green, presented by the Western New York PGA, Woods to Wedges inside the Whirly Golf Dome, Michelob Ultra, Custom Turf, Jim Beam, and our home clubs, Tantara, Briarwood, and Lancaster Country Club. We'll talk to you next week right here on Tee to Green. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.